Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpeed. Everybody. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. It is Tuesday night, August the 16th, 2011. This is episode 11 Nystrom Chris Donalds. Welcome to the big show. That's number 23 for you folks playing at home. We've got an awesome show for you tonight. Uh, this episode is going to be hot, it's going to be big time. We have sny.tv slash Ted. Quarters.net slash the baseball show slash the mostly mess podcast. Ted Berg is going to join us from SNY, from all those things. He does all those things. He's going to join us to talk about the Mets, talk about the Jets, talk about sports, talk about sandwiches, uh, because he's a big sandwich guy, and so are we. Uh, so before we get to all of that, let's uh, bring in my co host for episode 23 of this year, Mr. Uh, Mr. Brian. Calneva Calpino Caliente Brian Calvi Brian Hi Steve Welcome to the show Yellow Yellow Thanks Steve Good to be here What's uh, what's going on my brother? How was your week? Big week Exciting week The Mets are done <laughs> uh, And so many people couldn't be happier yeah, it seems that the beat writers are taking a particular yeah. amount of joy in letting us all know how the Mets season is over. It's fire up the old F5 key on the uh, on the keyboard, <laughs> right? Control- Autopilot. <laughs> Control F7 writes <laughs> writes that whole article for you. Uh, uh, and I will say this, uh, but before we do the big unload, and, and we do have Cal, we have Ted Berg joining us. We've been trying to get Ted for a really long time. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. I'm excited to talk to him. Yep, for the 13 years that we've been on the air. Um, <laughs> we've been doing this podcast since 1989. Uh, but I, I do I do want to, uh, since we are back, at, we are producerless tonight. Uh, yes, we are. The great Bishop Pop Culture PJ will not be joining us. He has a uh, 
Another engagement, I believe, at the Sands. <laughs> He's doing a show tonight. Uh, is he opening for Don Rickles tonight? He is. He is the opener uh, on a bill with Rickles uh, and and uh, Peter DeLuise doing an impression of his dad, Dom DeLuise, and Pat Cooper, obviously. Pat Cooper, obviously. Cal, if you haven't seen the Peter DeLuise as Dom DeLuise show, is that true? That that's something that actually exists. Uh, in my head. Oh. I oh, words that it what? did. I you think know, you're onto something though. There's another time that that pop culture PJ will probably be opening for Weird Al. That's a bill I would love to see. <laughs> uh, he is not with us tonight, the Bishop. Uh, he's uh, he's out and about on location. We wish him well. We will have him back in a couple of weeks. We are without Dr. E. Ray Stat. Let's talk about the people who aren't here first, Cal, before we We're talk about really? who's going to join us. We are like home alone right now. <laughs> we are very much, you know, please not safe. <laughs> you know what that means? A, it means Joe Pesci and and Daniel Stern are trying to break into the studio here in Basin. <laughs> it means I can do this. Cal Stradamus. Ah, I, I. You know why? Do that though. Because there's nobody here to stop us. No, no. I played that for a very specific reason. You want to know why? It's not because the shtick police are not, are, are not here to... Not because the stick police are... It's not anarchy in the streets of stick. Why would you do this, then? Because you... We were speaking about the end of the Mets season. We're going to talk about it a lot with Ted Berg when he joins us in a couple of minutes. Yeah. You... Uh, the, the the day that the Mets were seven and a half uh, game over five hundred, only seven and a half out of the wild card. No, they were four over five hundred at the uh, time. Four over, I'm sorry, high watermark of the season. Right, four over, seven and a half out of the wild card with a big series coming up with the Braves. And there was uh, guarded optimism for the first time out of all the beat reporters. It wasn't even guarded at that point. Right, for a reason. We had one day of them allowing us to think that there might be a season. Cal got on our BlackBerry IM with myself and Dr. Ray Stat and said, you watch, gentlemen. This is where they lose 10 of 15, and the season ends. Well, Cal, you outdid yourself. Because <laughs> since that BlackBerry IM, they are 3-11. and 11. No, they won last night. Oh, I'm sorry. That's so they're four. So they're four and eleven. So they lost eleven out of fifteen. No, I, I think I actually have it wrong. I think they went. No, four and eleven. That's it. Right. That's you're absolutely right. They they are four and eleven. So instead of five and ten, they went four and eleven. Right. In that string, you absolutely hit the nail on the head, and they lost <laughs> Reyes and Daniel Murphy in the same day. Right. Two days. Anyway. Uh, we'll talk plenty of Mets with Ted Berg, but before we bring Ted on, Cal, other things happening in baseball. It's not just about the Mets. No, a lot of things are going on in baseball. First of all, I'm sure you saw Carlos Beltran goes to the DL for the San Francisco Giants. He did, and and again, just talking about the beat writers just can't help themselves, can they? Nope. They can't, they can't help themselves. Give the guy a break. He hurt himself. Yep. He would have hurt himself here. Selfish Carlos Carlos Beltran. Man, what a sh- I, you know, I feel bad. I really do. Well, now all of a sudden they're chasing the Diamondbacks in the West. And and Pablo Sandoval went down last night as well. He fouled the ball off his foot. Yep. So now they're missing two. Of, they don't have a strong offense as it is. 
That's why they now traded missing, for Beltron. Right, now they're missing their two best offensive players. They're three and four hitter, and they're two games behind Arizona, yep. which you know we have to touch on them very briefly. What the heck's going on in Arizona? I don't know. But as when we got when I got that Mark Grace promo and Mark Grace was nice enough to do a little bumper promo for our show. Right. I was at the game. You can go back and listen to the tape. I think it's RTU number like 11 <laughs> uh from this year. <laughs> I think it's like Just fire up the archive. It's in there. Right. I think it's episode 1111. But Cal, I was at that game. It was a Friday night in early May against the Rockies. Uh, in the, uh, the whatever that bank is now for that game. what is it? I it was the, it was bank of it was bank one ballpark right it was the Bob. Bob right I don't know what it is now Chase Bank maybe Chase it's Field Chase Field I don't know but anyway uh, sat out in the uh, in the pool area at a diamond on a Friday night Diamondbacks game Cal against the Rockies there were maybe fifteen thousand people there and they were largely disinterested. And most of them in the pool. That's correct. Uh, that, and, and we even talked to Grace about it at the time. And, uh, and, and like I said, his partner is uh, Don Sutton's kid. Don Sutton's kid. The guy's like 15 years older than me. But <laughs> Don Sutton's son is the uh, play-by-play guy for the Diamondbacks. We were talking to them about the fact that this is a rebuilding year. You know, We actually had a really good long conversation with the uh, production guy, Cal. Oh, cool. one, of, one of their producers, who was a you know like a floor producer, was a very cool guy, uh-huh. old gentleman who had been doing baseball a really long time, and he said this is a rebuilding team, but they you know they got good uh, they have good foundation. Everybody loves Kirk Gibson uh, and what he's doing there. Now what? And you looked at the, I went up and down that lineup, and I said there's no this, this is a rebuilding team. Boy, it came in a hurry. Wow, did it ever? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they thought it was going to come that quickly. No, and I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody tweeted about a week ago that they're kind of like a an underdog team in the NCAA tournament. Maybe it was Buster Only that tweeted this. I think it was Only, and I really like this analogy. Right, it was like a fourteen. It was like the fourteen-three game in the first round of the NCAA tournament, <laughs> and there's like five minutes left, and you're down by one or you're up by one, and then you start realizing, hey, wait a minute. We, we can, can win this it. thing. Yep. And that's kind of where they're at right now. And and sure enough, they're they're in first place by two games over the Giants. And we're it's August sixteenth already. The D backs are having that Princeton moment. The sixteenth They're having that like Sienna moment where holy cow, we're up by two on not a great three seed. You know, it's not like a Yukon or a no, no, it's maybe a Syracuse, a weaker Syracuse team, or you're, you're up on it because the Giants are hardly a juggernaut. I know they're world champions, but with that lineup, they're hardly a juggernaut. It's not like you know they're up three on the Yankees, you know. So like the comparison is maybe Syracuse in a down year or something like that. But um, you know, I, I boy, I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's just uh, it's 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 pretty exciting to watch with the D-backs. Well, Cal, uh, it's time. It's uh, let's let's go ahead and bring in uh, and bring in Ted. What do you say? Let's and, do it. and continue this talk. Sure. Let's welcome, let's welcome to the program right now uh, from SNY.TV, uh, from TedQuarters.net, from the baseball show, from the Mostly Mets blog. Uh, any other gigs you want to talk about? Ted Berg joins us on Ready to Unload. Uh, I, I think you pretty much have it covered. 
<laughs> is, is that all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I think that pretty much get, gets it gets it down. Well, uh, thanks for joining us tonight, Ted. Welcome to the show. Uh, Steve Sampete here, Brian Calvi over there. Um, let's uh, jump right in. We'll get to your shows later and sandwiches because we, we, we are definitely going to talk sandwiches. Uh, but let's get right to the Mets. Uh, I know one of the things Cal wanted to sort of lead off with you on is uh, that Times piece from last week and, of course, the rebuttal. Uh, piece uh, by Fry on faith and fear and flushing. Uh, it's clear that you know this team is not going to make the playoffs. I think a lot of us knew that already. But you, as a big fan and also as a blogger who's covering them, Ted, uh, what do you want to look for uh, the rest of the way from the Mets with about 40 games left to go? Yeah, I think there's plenty to look for. I mean, I think to me the the biggest thing is getting a better sense of young players that might impact the future. You know, we have a, a pretty good sense of this at this point of what uh, Jose Reyes and, and David Wright can bring to the table. Obviously, we're all hoping David Wright is more of the player he was from 06 to 08 than the guy he was in, in uh, 2009, 2010. But I think, you know, guys like Lucas Duda and Justin Turner and uh, to a lesser extent, Josh Tolley and, and uh John Neese are all still young players and and guys who uh, don't have a huge sample of of, uh, opportunities in the majors. And and I want to see how good they are. (laughs) I want to see if if they're going to be guys. They're they're all cost control. They're all guys that the Mets could keep uh, under contract without paying too much for, for a long time. And so I want to see if they're going to be legit pieces on a contending team or if they're just sort of, you know, guys to fill up a roster until the Mets can find someone better. I mean, that would be the same thing. And and there's, you know, I mean, I actually, I guess, you know, we actually talked about this on on the Mostly Mets podcast a couple weeks ago. And really the primary thing is that they're baseball games and, and, and awesome things happen in baseball games all the time and, and that's really the best excuse of all. Ted, Ted, it's Brian over here. And one of the things, it's so funny because I, when Steve and I were talking this morning about what we wanted to talk to you about, I said, you know, I really want to get his take on Lucas Duda because Lucas Duda is kind of the most fascinating guy on this team right now. And uh, yeah, oh, he's great. But then it's funny because I'm like, I, I thought I had this great idea to ask you. And then I go on, on your website about an hour later and you've written this whole article about it, which... Well, like, oh, he's sort of a hot topic these days. Yeah, he sure is. What 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 do you think about Lucas Duda? Do you do you think the Mets have something with him? I mean, he's he's showing flashes. Um, as the season progresses, we've seen his confidence level increase along with the season. Um, is is he somebody that we can reasonably expect to plug in next season in a starting role? You think? I think the question has to be about his defense, and and I hope. You know, I hope we see Terry Collins start playing him in right field a little bit more. Collins said yesterday that he recognized that he had to start playing him in right field a little more or at least needed to consider it, you know, for the Mets' future. Uh, Obviously, the Mets have Ike Davis at first base, and and as soon as Davis is healthy, presumably next year, Davis is going to be back at first base starting for the Mets. Dudas looked fine there, but, you know, that's that's Davis' spot. So if Dudas is going to play for the the team – 
it's going to be in a in a corner outfield position. So I'd like to see how he can handle that, whether he has the arm and the range for that position. I think his bat will play anywhere. If you look at the numbers he posted in AAA, I mean, they were they're ridiculous. The guy, the guy yeah. can hit the ball. I mean, we've seen it. The guy can hit the ball a mile. You know, he's a patient hitter. It won't always be as good as it has been in the past couple of weeks, of course. Um, but you know, he he can hit, and and I don't think I don't think that's going to be a big issue. So I think for him, it's going to be about finding him a position and and finding him an opening because. And right now, for better or worse, left field is is uh, filled for the Yeah. Ted, Ted, let me jump in here with Duda. One of the things we talked about on the program uh, on an episode a little while back uh, was the overall makeup, mental makeup of baseball players and athletes in general. And uh, we actually did a, a favorite meltdown show. But <laughs> but we talked a lot about the idea that we we as fans uh, sort where, of take- was, was it all Carlos Zambrano? Or to get any others in. You know, when when we mix in all sports, T.O. sort of just really oh, just... Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Crying over. with the sunglasses and, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we up in the, in the driveway. Right, the sit-ups in the driveway. And, of course, we played Lasorda's uh, meltdown about Kingman. And I, I, I hope you've... I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen... Earl Weaver has some, yes. some classic ones online. <laughs> yes. yes. He's we, a little we, bit before my time, but uh, <laughs> he's legendary. We we had a couple of Earl throwing the hat and 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 whatnot and really losing his mind and and uh, and and speaking of Kingman that brings me back to Duda, so come back full circle. Yeah. But one of the things we talked about on that show is we as fans sort of take it for granted uh, that uh, professional athletes uh, have the mental makeup to do the job that they do, and and I think uh, this particular conversation for us was uh, spurred by an article about Zach Greinke that we had written about how uh, in the, in the, uh, in spring training about how he could have never been traded to the Yankees uh, because he, he, he has uh, anxiety disorder. uh, He can barely talk to his teammates, uh, just all this kind of stuff about how difficult it is for him to be a major league baseball player um, because of the anxieties and, and, and stuff that he has. Now, I wanted to ask you about Lucas Duda. We as fans heard a lot about his lack of confidence and his sort of shy demeanor and stuff. You've been around the team a lot. You you uh, get to cover the team, talk to some of the players. Is is the fact that he has a lot of confidence now or his confidence is building, is that an overrated thing? Or can you see uh, an actual difference since he was called up? I mean, I, you know, I would be... Uh, I would I, I would personally be a little bit reluctant to, you know, confuse how I read a guy's confidence when he's going poorly with what is you know his actual level of confidence. A- any guy is going to seem uh, like he lacks confidence. I think when he's struggling. I mean, any guy is going to, going to admit he lacks confidence when he's struggling. Right. Uh, because you know when you're when you're one for twenty two or or one for thirty three or no for twenty one whatever Duda started his career you know of course you're going to start questioning things right. uh, I think that a lot of times it's uh, uh, as fans and as and as members of the media as bloggers everybody we sort of look at the wrong side of the chicken and the egg debate on this one you know I think teams seem a lot teams and players seem a lot more confident when they're winning when they're playing well. 
and we assume that the winning is because they're confident when uh, actually, in my opinion at least, the, the confidence is comes from the winning. Um, I can't imagine that Duda doesn't have, you know, the mental stuff to play in the majors. I think, you know, that 99.999999% of, or, well, I mean, it's less than that, but, you know, the, the, <laughs> the overwhelming majority of people who make the major leagues are uh, programmed in uh, such a uh, unbelievably competitive fashion, you know, uh, really a way, you know, it, it's such a, a high level of competition and, and it's, I think, something we almost, you know, we see these guys in the majors and, and we see the bad guys and we only see them as bad at the major leagues. We don't realize how good they've been at baseball at every level they've ever played at before that and realize oh. how, you know, competitive yeah. they have, they've had to have been to get there. And so yeah. I think, um, you know, they're all confident, I think, and I think yeah. they all have that mental makeup. And sure, guys can hit hiccups along the road. And, you know, in cases like uh, Grankies, I think, are probably the exception to the rule. And I don't even know for sure that that, that means he couldn't have played in New York. You know, that's that's a that's a, a disease that that is a, a funny thing. And, a, and a, well, I mean, that's I mean, that's what he said. This is what this is what he uh, no, was. I, I didn't, he was traded right. He I didn't was, know if, I, if he said it, then then I have no reason not to believe him. <laughs> but, it, uh, it, it was a great piece in the Milwaukee uh, Sentinel, I believe, Journal Sentinel or something like that. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, I, I hadn't I hadn't seen that, and it, and, but uh, I totally agree. I think he is the exception to the rule. I think what we take for granted a little bit is not what they can do on the field. I know uh, uh, Brian and I have both played uh, specifically baseball at a very high level. Uh, obviously not the major leagues or whatever, but your point is dead on. These guys have been the best of the best all their lives. Right, and you guys have seen those guys. I mean, you, we every everybody knows the the one high school, the one kid in our high school who really was that good, and how confident that kid was, and how, you know, and how and the mental makeup that that kid had, and, yep. and the drive that that kid had, which was at least for me something I just didn't have. You know, I was too busy, you know, being a wise ass. Right. <laughs> I say for for Brian and I uh, growing up on Long Island, where we did uh, that guy or one of those guys was Frank Catalanato, because right. okay, we, we yeah, both I mean, he was... and Frank in high school and stuff like that, and and you can you can see the difference. I mean, Frank Catalanato was a major league baseball player when he was seventeen. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, but I but I what I mean is is and 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 not to belabor the point at all, but but you're dealing with it now a little more as a media member. Uh, even yeah. uh, in the blogging is, is is dealing with the media, you know that uh, how well equipped these guys are to deal with the media and deal with the scrutiny that comes with the job. Well, I think it it affects the way they're portrayed, and I think it affects then, of course, the way they're perceived. Uh, you know, and Duda is a quiet guy. You know, he, he'll be the first to admit it. There's a piece in the Times about it yesterday. You know, he just doesn't talk much, and so you know, I think that gets read sometimes as a lack of confidence. Or, right. you know, who knows, uh, an inability to play in New York sometimes, whatever it is. But it could just be that he's a guy who doesn't talk that much. He's you know, a quiet guy, right. <laughs> right. I mean, Nick, Ev- Nick Evans actually said in the Times piece that he doesn't talk much. And if you've ever talked to Nick Evans, uh, Nick Evans is one of the quietest guys you'll ever meet. So <laughs> if, if, if Nick Evans says he doesn't talk much, it means he really just doesn't talk much. Um <laughs> So, you know, I think that might just be his personality. He's the strong, silent type. <laughs> right. 
Um, talking about a couple of other guys, just, just to look at for the rest of this year and, and kind of figure where they might fit in next year. And, I, you know, we, they always talk about the Yankees and the Killer Bees with Betances and Benuelos. So I like to call these guys the Killer Peas. That's uh, Mike Telfrey, Angel Pagan, and Bobby Parnell. These are three guys uh, seemingly with a world of talent. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, much discussed. Um, and and we, you definitely want to see what they do over these last 40 games. Um, can, is there anything that they can or can't do in the last part of this season that will affect their future with the team? Or are they pretty much set to come back next year? Uh, I mean, I can't, you know, with bullpens, there's enough turnover that, you know, I can imagine a situation in which, they, who knows, find find enough more, uh, so many more bullpen guys that they find a way to replace Parnell. But Parnell has been, despite, you know, some noted meltdowns and, and some struggles, I think he's been good enough that you could probably, and you'll probably want to slot him into your bullpen somewhere. Mm-hmm. Probably not as your closer or your main setup guy, as I think, you know, a lot of us were hoping he would emerge this year. Uh, and Pelfrey and Pagan, I mean, I think you got to bring him back. Even as bad as Pelfrey has been this year, he's good for 200 innings. And that's not a, a common thing in, in baseball. And the innings have to come from somewhere. And if the Mets had, you know, a ton of young pitchers, if the Mets were in the Braves situation and they had, you know, four guys in AAA who were major league re- ready, I'd say, you know, good riddance to Mike Pelfrey. Don't don't pay the $5 million for a league average innings at Eater. But truth is, they don't have that. You know, they don't have guys guys to pick up those innings. And they got to find them somewhere. And I, I'm not sure there's going to be anyone on the free agent market that guarantees you those innings. Even if the innings aren't spectacular, uh, he's pitching them, and and that's worth something <laughs> he's, too. He, he's uh, he's been he's been unfortunately healthy. He's very durable. That might be right. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, right? He, he's gonna he's gonna go out and give you uh, you know five or six not great innings every time, and you know as licky innings, yes, yes. Yeah, it's frustrating, you know, and it's 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 frustrating to watch. He's I mean, he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. He he, nah. he has he yields a lot of contact, and and it's not he's not an exciting pitcher. So I think no. fans get frustrating, and he's having a bad year. Uh, yeah. But I don't think he is quite bad enough to just cut loose when he's been as healthy as he's been, because uh, durability is a very very valuable thing in pitchers. And Pagan, yeah. I mean, Pagan's had a bad year too. But Pagan was like one of the best players on the team last year. Uh, you know, it's it seems crazy to let him go because he seems like such a textbook uh, bounce-back candidate for next season. And again, you know, there, if if you let Pagan go, who who plays center field? Yeah, you need a center fielder. That's true. Go, just going back to Pelfrey real quick, I, I think we all get frustrated because we still have this idea of what Pelfrey is supposed to be, but are are we at the point where you know he he kind yeah, of is what he happening. is and I mean, right this is this is what Pelfrey is you know yeah. and it's what Pelfrey I think you know the being a first round draft pick and and getting a big bonus and being a Scott Boris client and and all of that and being a you know massively touted prospect I remember Pelfrey came mm-hmm. up and you know it was it was this whole story and and I think 
you know, more than anything, it should probably be a, uh, you know, a warning about the way we approach all of these young pitchers because you can't really, I mean, yes, we're all disappointed with the way Mike Pelfrey, the mega pitching prospect turn out, but Mike Pelfrey has been a healthy league average starter for four years. And that's not really something to sneeze at. I think, you know, when we look at, you know, Zach Wheeler and, and Familia and, and Matt Harvey and all these guys, I think people would be really disappointed if they all turned into Mike Pelfrey. But, you know, <laughs> in, in some ways you, you're lucky to get a guy that, that does provide you, you know, that many innings uh, and, and that much value. And I know it doesn't seem like much, but it's something. And, and so many of these guys just completely flame out and suck. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> We're having uh, our, you know, we're having our Denny Green moment with with Pelfrey. You know, they are right. who we, who we thought they were. I mean, right. This is, it, this it's, is Mike it's time to admit you know, it, right? You know, and it's time. He's he doesn't. He has one. He 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 has one pretty good pitch. It's a sinker that sometimes sinks, yeah. and that's and that's. Yep. And he doesn't strike people out. He doesn't have a. a he doesn't have an out pitch. He doesn't. He doesn't miss that. And it's not coming, you know, he's, he's tried, and it doesn't seem to be, you know, it's not going to happen. So until yeah. that ha- and unless it magically appears, he's not going to get any better. Right. Uh, now, I want to go back to Parnell real quick, and then uh, and then we have a bunch of other stuff to talk to you about. Uh, but uh, back to Parnell. You, you said something very interesting, Ted, and I want to pose this question to you about Bobby Parnell, because I'm – uh, you know, maybe reading Moneyball finally because it actually applied to my team was uh, was not the best thing for me. Just because I see Parnell as that classic guy that they talk about in Moneyball as far as closers go, or or even late inning relievers that you know Bean just loved to build up their value because they threw super hard and and didn't right. really you know and and try to build up their value to trade them because he viewed the closer position is sort of a, an amorphous position where you could put, you could put Keith folk and get 45 saves. But so my, my, my thing with Parnell this year is that don't you think it's time they just put him in the closer role to see if he can do it? Because I, I don't see him as an eighth inning guy. I, I, I think he's either a closer or he's something else. I don't know. A star, whatever. I, I think I, it's yeah, time I mean, that you know, they did it. Look, it's not like it's not like they're making the playoffs this year, right? right. And and now Jason Isringhausen has 300 saves, so right. it's not like you stand to gain a ton uh, by by keeping Isringhausen in that spot. And it's not like Jason Isringhausen has been like this, you know, Mariano Rivera lights <laughs> out closer in that role. So you know, I don't understand why you wouldn't see if. Parnell could be that guy if Parnell, you know, if you let him close games for the for the next you know month and a half or whatever, and see if you could pencil him into that role for next year, just to you know see how much money or leverage it would give you on the free agent market this off season. Uh, otherwise, they're you know going to have to go out or for better or worse because I think the closer role, as stated in Moneyball, is. Uh, something massively overrated, you know, and and I, I would tend to agree that it's something you can slot in just a pretty good reliever and and get a bunch of saves and and uh, you know <laughs> trade him while his value is high if you're doing it right. Uh, but yeah, I, I would 
don't know. I, I think they should tend to try out Parnell. He strikes a lot of guy out, guys out. He's He's been pretty unlucky this year in terms of allowing hits. Uh, many of them have been hit pretty hard, but uh, I don't know. I, you know, it seems like, yeah, maybe it's 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 time to try something with them and, and stick them in the ninth inning and, and see how it goes. Right. Now, uh, one thing uh, before uh, we move on to the uniforms, because we do want to touch on that, or otherwise Mets police would be going wild. But um, – <laughs> But uh, one more thing on the closes. I heard, I heard you guys talking on the Mostly Mets podcast that you guys do on uh, SNY.TV. Um, and I heard you guys talking a little bit about the closers and the idea of uh, why is there a closer? Why don't you bring your best pitcher in in the eighth inning? Why is there the one-inning closer? Uh, that hit home because that's something we've talked about on this show for the 18 months that we've been doing it. We've hit on yeah. it about like eight or nine times, this idea that the biggest spot in a game may be the seventh inning, and that may be the time for your best pitcher. Why right. are you bringing in your your sixth You're best in, reliever instead of your worst pitcher? Right, right. right. exactly. <laughs> and I and I love that you guys, you and, and Patrick Flood and and Toby were having this conversation. Um, I wanted to throw a little something else your way, um, and 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 we have a theory that it's Tony Larusa ruined the game of baseball when he was reinventing it, but. Uh, and, and that's why we have closers in the ninth inning. But um, when he and Bobby Valentine and Tim McCarver got together at their their big, meeting <laughs> the, the of big, the minds, this that's is the right, right. Right when they got together at the ranch to reinvent baseball. Um, but we, last week on this show, we talked a little bit about the idea of a red zone coordinator in football. And so you have your offensive coordinator and you have your red zone coordinator. Okay, the guy and so, who's in charge of not panicking like Brian Schottenheimer when the team gets to the five-yard line or whatever? Oh, that's correct, Ted. Ted. Okay. We could do an hour and a half if that's where we're going to go. But, uh, <laughs> no, but exactly. Uh, you know, you have the guy that once you get in the red zone, he's responsible for calling the plays. And we debated it back and forth. Uh, I have some buddies that uh, form an email group that we I call them the baseball bunch because they're all guys I played baseball with. And we go back and forth about this. And this was a three-day debate about the idea of an offensive coordinator, uh, red zone coordinator. And, of course, we applied it to baseball. And we said, why isn't there a late innings manager? You know what I mean? Why isn't there – should there be a manager in the late innings? I would argue for a guy like Joe Torrey, <laughs> there should be. There should be a guy who gets to manage or just manages the bullpen. Like is just responsible for making pitches, pitching changes. I don't know. In I mean, then are you doing to the manager spot like the same thing we're cl- complaining about happening in the bullpen? Then, then is it just becoming too specialized? Like, shouldn't one manager be able to handle all of this? They should. Ideally, I feel like the floodgates have opened. Let's take, yeah. Let's take it to its absolute pinnacle, and then this way we can go back to sanity. Just go with it now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It'll never happen. But we we thought it was a funny idea to take uh, that. Uh, well, well, you know, I mean, there, there was a time when the 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 Cubs had a instead of instead of a, having a single manager, they had a, a like a I think it was called the College of Coaches, yeah. and it was like they, they had a <laughs> rotating panel of six coaches of six coaches and and no set manager. It, um, I, I wish I knew more of the of the details, but it was something the coaches the the Cubs did in. I think it was in like the 60s, and it was just a, right. 
a miserable failure, but it's a, a pretty entertaining thing to, <laughs> I, to Wikipedia. I can't imagine why they haven't won a World Series in 100 years. I mean, it's yeah. just, with management like that, you would just... <laughs> They would be, I think Leo DeRocher was involved. I don't, oh, I don't no doubt. Read this. <laughs> um, he was 87 years old at the time. Strangely. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, you know, <laughs> it was sort of a, a later in his, you know, they they brought in a bunch of, you know, like old, old guy managers and like, ah, it's like a managerial dream team. <laughs> like a consortium. <laughs> right. Honey back right. shows up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, uh, Cal, we got some big news in the uniform department. Cal and I are big uniform guys. Especially okay. when it comes to the Mets. So, Cal, what was uh... well? Well, the first, the first thing before we even go any further, I need to know, Ted, where you stand on the black jersey debate. I mean, for it's not, or against it? I, I'm, I'm not as like vehemently against them as everyone seems to be. I, I don't particularly care for them. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, people get people are pretty upset about the black jerseys. Uh, take, take, I, I, I would never buy one. I did own a a black John Franco jersey at one point, but you know those were the times. That's just, that doesn't make you a bad person. Well, the, what what was the news today, Cal? They're going to the blue. Well, the, yeah, Adam Rubin had wrote a story today about um, they're considering changes to the uniform, and they kind of tested the Los Mets jerseys that they used for Fiesta Night a couple of weeks ago. The blue. Jerseys. I thought those were awesome. I, that's where I was going with that, and I, and I agree with you. I thought those – if you're going to have an alternate jersey, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I thought that that, that – I you know, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this should be the alternate jersey. You know, it was like – it seemed like a like a light bulb, duh moment. You know, well, well duh. You know, like, look at this jersey. Look at how, <laughs> how nice these colors are, you know? Right. And, I mean, it's almost universally everybody loved it. You know, even the, the the guys that like the black jerseys loved it. The guys that hate the black jerseys loved it. It just seems like a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's just nice looking. You know, it's just those those are the, I mean, those it's the colors you associate with the Mets. It was just, I think there was like a batting practice jersey or a spring training jersey they wore in the 80s that it looks yep. like. And I think it, you know, people have uh, fond recollections of that. Yeah, you hit the nail on that. It does look like one of the BP jerseys from uh, from the mid to late '80s. And also, you know, anytime you get the wife and or girlfriend uh, to to say something in game 120 uh, that that you're watching, where she'll say, "Oh wow, those those are nice. What 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 are they doing with those unis? Those are nice." Well, she didn't say unis because then she'd be the greatest wife of all time. <laughs> she, now she's merely one of them. Uh, but uh, no, she, she even said those those uniforms are really really cool. Why don't they wear those? You know, or what color? I think she said, "What? Whose colors are those?" And I'm like, "Well, they're the Mets colors." Yeah, it was like they were wearing like, <laughs> yeah. Like, she was like, "Back night, what's going yeah, on?" Yeah, she's like, "Why are they wearing another team's colors?" I'm like, "No, no, no. Those are the Mets colors. You won't find them at City Field, but those are the Mets colors." Yeah, uh, I mean, to me, you know, I, I get it. Obviously, it's it's about selling merchandise but i i it kind of bothers me how often teams wear the alternate jerseys as it is i i'm i'm sort of a traditionalist when it comes to that stuff i like white at home and gray on the road yep now let's uh let's shift gears a little bit we were we were going real macro let's go mike i never get that right we were going uh small picture let's go big picture with the mess one of the things brian and i are, are really interested in ted 
is that, you, you know, you've been doing this work for SNY, again, uh, tedquarters.net, sny.tv, uh, the baseball show, which is great, by the way, um, and, and doing a heck of a job with that stuff. Um, the difference between the Alderson, Di Podesta, Ricciardi, uh, Ricciardi regime, and uh, uh, Ricciardi, sorry, and uh, and the Manaya regime, uh, and I and I hate to use regime and make them sound <laughs> make yeah. them sound so. No, sinister. I use it all the time. I mean, what else is it, right? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I at least I didn't say Reich or something stupid like that. Um, but no, but but between the two regimes, obviously Manaya on the way out. We talked about this a lot with Patrick, the idea that uh, Manaya's uh, uh, general managership was very reactionary. It seemed. Yeah. Uh, it seemed you can you can draw a direct line to what he thought the team needed and what he went out and got. Yeah, uh, I mean, remember that my favorite quote is. You know, I can't go out for bagels without people telling me the Mets need to fix the bullpen, so I fix the bullpen. Right? right. Like, wait, wait, no. Don't, why are you, don't listen to the people on the line for bagels. Like, that's, you're the GM. Like, you're in charge. You're supposed to know better than those people. So, we see that, uh, you know, with Alderson uh, and, and to a, uh, a, a lesser extent, Di Podesta and Ricciardi, that, there's a, there seems to be the, the 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 favorite line is the adults are now running the show you know the grown ups are running the team, but there seems to be so much more of an eye towards the bigger picture in the future, and they don't seem to be phased by being in New York that always seemed to be over or Manaya in over his head that he felt that he absolutely had to win at all costs at all times. And they don't seem to be phased by that. What, can you tell us some of the, the big differences you've noticed being around the club from the last few years to this year? Yeah, there's a, there's a, I think there's an openness to it. I mean, you've seen it even in the way they've uh, treated, they've brought in bloggers. They're having all these, um, I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to have been credentialed since the 07 season because you know, I'm working for S&Y, but they've, uh, you know, they've right. been bringing in, they've, you know, opened up their, uh, you know, media sessions, Terry Collins's, uh media sessions to to new media, to bloggers. Not, you know, not every game, but some games, and they're, they're bringing in bloggers and they're uh, reaching out more, I think, to that segment of the fan base, which, you know, seems like, a, a, again, a no-brainer. Uh, they've, Alderson has been you know, so candid at times with his ideas and, and at times uh at times so careful with what he says and, and how he presents the Mets plans to the media, you know, and it seems like everything is so like he's so collected all the time, you know, and it seems like um like he you know, you you said the adults is in the room and obviously that's come up a lot, but it just seems like Everything is part of the plan, you know, and 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 he's always he always knows what he's doing, he knows what he's talking about, and there's just like a, a confidence in running the show. Like, well, I don't have to worry about what how I present this to the media because I know I'm presenting it. I know what I'm talking about, right. and if, if you know, and, and ah. so, right, and so I don't have to be paranoid about them being out to get me because I don't care if they come out to get me because I know I'm right and you know he doesn't say this explicitly but this is sort of like they how how 
It's and implied. So, you know, and this is speculation on mine, but it's a sense you get. You know, it's like, well, I can just express this confidently because I feel confidence in it. And I think with the last administration, sometimes you got the feeling, uh, I mean, certainly in, in some of the more uh, disastrous meltdown moments, you got the feeling that they didn't really have confidence in the message they were putting out. And, uh, right. and you know, all of that factors into – you know, having a plan, having a long-term vision for success, uh, being, you know, and look, it's not all on Omar Minaya, right? Because going into a season mm-hmm. with a general manager who knows he's got the axe over his head is just a bad idea. You know, you should never, never, ever enter a season in baseball with a GM who knows he's on the chopping block. You yep. want full confidence in your GM, and the Mets didn't have that. So that's not really on Mania. And to Mania's credit, he went through last season without, you know, resisting the urge to trade all the Mets' best young players for Bartolo Colon uh, in a last-ditch effort to make the team competitive. So, you know, I don't know if that was a, a check that was in place last year to make sure he didn't do that, or that was just, you know, uh, bureaucratic inefficiency or the goodness of his heart. But w- however it played <laughs> out, the Mets did not actually trade all of these young players we're now seeing in the major leagues for crappy veterans. And you kind of know Omar Minaya wanted to push that button. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And it's funny, when you talk about Sandy Alderson, like, when, when you, you're speculating on what he's thinking, but I think that when he gives interviews with that smirk on his face... <laughs> And you can and you and you could see it like you know what he's thinking. He's like I, you know, I'm I'm smarter than everyone else in this room, and right. I know it, you know. And I'm in that room, and and I'm willing to be <laughs> smarter than me. That's why, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and but honestly, too, it's I mean, Cal and I crack up about it, especially when he, you know, he takes on Mr. Francesa, one of our favorite guys, and uh, you know, and and Sandy has has really. <laughs> demonstrated to the Pope that, you know, I'm smarter than you, big guy, so take it easy, but... And he's not afraid, you know, he's not... Yeah. He doesn't care what, what they say, because if you are if you know you're smarter than him, then you're not worried about what he's going to say when, when you go off the air. Well, that's it, Ted. There's a gravitas there that you can't really buy in, in a general manager that fills the fan, us, right. watching it with confidence. Like, I... You, Everything you just talked about <laughs> and just, you know, even experienced in the room with him, I watched the presser on SNY that night, and I feel it too. And it makes you feel great as a fan. You're like, wow, my guy's in charge. He knows what the hell he's doing. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys watch Arrested Development at all? Oh, of course. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have, it's, it's a kind of a silly reference, but I don't know if you know the scene where uh, ben Stiller as as Cody Wonder like yes. uh, <laughs> leaves the room after uh, you know some ridiculous pulling pulling a piece of bread out of his chest and giving it to Job and Buckner and Job's just like what a cool guy what a cool guy <laughs> that's yes. just like kind of how you feel whenever whenever like Sandy Alderson you know as a Mets fan when you're like you know rooting so hard for these people to get it right. As right. a Mets fan, when you're like standing in that press conference scrum and people are like, you know, trying to get Sandy Alderson to, I don't know, double over his words or say something wrong or, or stumble or say, you know, you know, not not that people are hard to get him, but that people are 
you know, trying to get them to, you know, people try to, try to it's, catch them. it's the New York press. They try to accentuate the negative. So they're trying yeah. to get that negative out of them. And he's, he's so careful about it and it's so calculated and it's so, you know, all of it. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like a, it's like performance art, how, how well he presents it all. And he, and he <laughs> finishes it. And it's like, you know, you, you almost expect him to like drop the microphone sometimes. Right. And it's just like, <laughs> man, that was cool. <laughs> We have the we we have we exactly we have this thing you know the Randy Watson a- exit you know what I mean where you just yeah. your your sexual chocolate you drop the mic and you walk up the stage and that <laughs> you know kind of, kind of punctuates yeah. a point exactly you know I think I think at this point he should have the final countdown play when he comes out though for his press conference. <laughs> I think that would be tremendous. Uh, but uh, last thing on the Mets and then I I want to uh, jump to the Jets real quick and then. Uh, we have to talk sandwiches if you have the time. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, last thing on the Mets, uh, just want to talk about uh, Nimmo and uh, the signing of the Jets' first uh, uh, first round draft pick. The Jets, the Mets' first round draft pick. And I said Jets, and that was actually a slip up on purpose because I have never they had a followed. First round draft pick too. Yeah, <laughs> I have never followed a baseball draft. As closely as I followed this, it's a baseball. new thing, right? It's it's yep. every now everybody's following the baseball draft. Yeah, I was watching it live, like it was the NFL draft, and the NFL draft is one of my favorite days of the year. And this guy's not going to be playing for like six years. <laughs> I know, but you, but, but don't you don't you get the feeling that with Paul D. Podesta and and now the Moneyball movie's going to come out and. And and again, I read Moneyball when it applied to my team. That's that's the first time I read. Yeah, Ted, you need to understand that Steve and I just read Moneyball within the last two months. Right, this season because I, so you know, we're really topical. Right. Yeah, we're really on top of that. Hey, gonna, I mean, yeah, like you said, now it applies to the Mets. So right, right, okay, yes, we're we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about the uh, Star Wars prequels right after this. Um, but the the thing that surprised me about that draft pick at the time, I remember watching the draft and saying, oh, you know, thinking Moneyball and they're going to go for this guy. They're going to definitely take the college uh, pitcher or the college outfielder, blah, blah, blah. And they take this 18-year-old uh, from from a state without uh, uh, high school baseball. And, you know, but it's, what have you heard about this kid that makes him so special? What have you heard uh, in the I mean, hall at, at All City I Field? know is what – all I know is what Paul DePodesta said, and, you know, I, I mean, I know so little. They said they were going for upside in a bat, you know, and they, then they, after that, you know, they they went to college arms. Uh, they, you know, yep. they, they did they did draft a bunch of co- college arms, so it did turn into, like, sort of that money ball strategy. Oh, yep. He and I think DePodesta said yep. he was, you know, the top batter, one of the top bats on their board, and they wanted to, you know, Stock up on someone with with that type of, type of upside for for down the road. Um, you know, I I I don't know much about the guy. I know right. I well, know. The, I I think the biggest thing you take out of all of it, Ted, and and Brian and I were talking about this is the the biggest thing you take out of all of this is that they went over slot for him. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, that's you know the process is good, 26. right? That's yeah, that's all you can say. They, they a couple of times they went over slot, and this is a reasonably new development for them. And yep. this is what we want, right? This is, you know, as long as they're doing that, 
you know, maybe it's not Brandon Nimmo that works out, but eventually if you keep drafting guys over a slot, uh, you're going to fill up your farm system and some of those guys are going to start panning out. And they and they got all twenty. They signed all twenty six guys they drafted. That's huge. I think it was. I didn't think it was. There were a couple of guys in the top twenty one that didn't. I think like the twentieth round draft pick didn't sign. He went to college. I think no, there were a couple I, of guys. That I didn't thought sign. they got all twenty six, but they got they got a, a big number. They got a number that they. Oh haven't. yeah, I mean, they, I think they got more guys than they expected to. Yeah. So and and you know some guys that were over slot and some guys that were multi sport guys. You know some guys that they were. Uh, that I think people were surprised that they did sign. Yeah. Now, uh, Cal and I uh, are – we talk a lot of football on the show. I know one of the things I want to tell people listening that may not know, that on SNY.TV, uh, you have a, a collection, a consortium, again, of uh, of blogs. You have uh, Yankee blogs, Mets blog, Jet blog. I mean, you you've, you guys have got everything covered over there. It's uh, really become a place to go. Uh, for a sort of alternate uh, coverage of your team. And one of the things Cal and I talk about a lot on this show is that this is where I think the average fan that's our age is going more and more for the coverage of their team, right? They're going less and less to the beat guys uh, who seem to be have an agenda, and they're going more and more to blogs. Uh, and I think SNY.TV has embraced that uh, more than some other places. So... You have at your fingertips uh, all sorts of bloggers that you can talk to, have on shows and stuff like that. Um, I, I know you, you recently had uh, your Jets guy on. Who's your Jets guy? Brian Bassett. From, Thank you. Uh, I mean, he's got a he's got a team of bloggers that uh, work with him, much much like Matt Cerrone does at, right. at Mets Blog. But uh, Brian Bassett is the is the the main guy at the JetsBlog.com. Now, you, real quick with the the Jets. Uh, we, <laughs> we watched the first preseason game last night. The Jets lose Rob Turner for 10 to 12 weeks, maybe longer. He breaks his leg. Which is uh, brutal for them. Yeah, terrible. And they're, they're I mean, they were already thin on that offensive line. That's right. Let me, let me, uh, we can have you on another time to talk about the Jets at length. But my question is this. Do you find that it's the Jet and Met fan is the rule? Or do you find uh, – do you have any Yankee Jet fans? Do you have any, uh, you know, Met Giant fans? I think those are rare. Cal and I are, are often fascinated by people's uh, allegiances and how things sort I, of – You know, I, gr- I, I grew up on Long Island as well. I grew up with a lot of Met Giant fans. Is um, that right? To me, that uh, – you know, I, I was a Mets and Jets fan. And to me, it always seemed like uh, – Mets, uh, Mets and Giants were the most popular teams where I grew up. Then, you know, late towards high school when the Yankees got good, uh, obviously all the Yankee fans suddenly came out of the woodwork, and now there are all these Yankee <laughs> fans. But uh, certainly in my elementary school, there were, were a lot of Mets Giants fans. Uh, on SNY.TV, obviously, we get a ton of Mets and Jets fans, but that's because you know the TV affiliations with the Mets and Jets. Right. Uh, I and which I love. Cal, you're a late coming Jet fan. Why don't you tell? You could tell Ted. Go ahead, Cal. It's okay. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's Mark Sanchez, isn't it? <laughs> it is exactly. It's exactly what it is. I was a Dolphins fan actually growing up. Oh. Uh, yeah, until about three years ago when Mark Sanchez came. <laughs> it's you're only human. 
<laughs> it's I, you know, what, what am I going to do? I'm not going to fight it. But what happened is, every, <laughs> go ahead, Cal. I have a great point about Sanchez. Well, here's the thing. Everybody else around me, I had a lot of Dolphin fan friends growing up. We were all big fans of Dan Marino, and not all of us. Well, the, those of us that were, little by little, they started migrating towards normal New York-based teams, and I was the only Dolphin fan left, and, and well into my adulthood. I was still a Dolphins fan, and I couldn't figure out why. Someone asked me, why are you a Dolphins fan? I said, I, I, I don't know. Dolphins are one of those the, teams, though, that just have fans spread out. Like, there were, there were Dolphins fans in, in, where I grew up, too. Dolphins just have fans. It's yeah. true, but it's hard to justify when you're an adult. Yeah, once yeah. Marino was gone, there's really no excuse to be. Right, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm hanging around for, for, uh, for Ricky exactly. Williams. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and you know what, Ted, we welcomed him back with open arms. I want I I that's that that sounded very Steve Summers-ish. It didn't I didn't mean it to. Um <laughs> I want to ask you guys though, you bring up Cal comes aboard when we get our matinee idol quarterback here in New York for the Jets part 2. Uh <laughs> did you guys see that Mark Sanchez is in GQ again? I did right. see that, but right. none of the pictures are they're they're the pictures aren't nearly as funny as the last set of pictures. Right. But I, I, just here's my question. You have a great spot on your uh, uh, website, Ted, on tedquarters.net, about the Cole Hamels, like embarrassing pictures of Cole Hamels, which I absolutely love. Uh, not love Cole Hamels. I love the fact that they're – when are these yeah. guys going to learn? When are, when are you going to learn that if you do a GQ shoot, they're going to take embarrassing pictures of you? Yeah, Why I don't do think they, they care. I just, why do you keep agreeing to this, though? I don't understand. I think part of being a professional athlete is, like, being so far past caring what, like, you and me think about them, you know? Like, it, it is what little I can do to put up embarrassing pictures of Cole Hamels. But Cole Hamels is, in truth, probably out doing something so far past my conception of, of awesome right now that... He doesn't care that I have a, a compendium of embarrassing photos of him on my website. No, he's going to keep I, posing for them because he's filthy rich. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and like and 28 he, and awesome at pitching. Yeah. No, I know. I understand that there, that there's yeah. a, a level. No, you're, I'm with you, though. I mean, it's it taking a beating from your own teammates. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, I, if I, because, you know, I know if I were – Right, if I were some other guy on the Phillies or some other guy on the Jets. Like, you can't imagine the next time Mark Sanchez sees Nick Mangold, Nick Mangold's not going to give him hell for, like, oh. the tank top photo. Yeah. Right. Or the, uh, there was a great caption in the Daily News because one of the pictures does look like he just stepped off the set of Jersey Shore, like, without a doubt. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's just, really, Mark Dolce & Gabbana, really? Like, the tight tank? And I mean, come on, guy. Come on. Well, up and up. I mean, the one I love, I don't know if you guys have seen the, from the last shot, the, the the last group, there's just one of him, and he's clearly on a boat, and he's talking on, like, a landline <laughs> phone, and he's, like, making this, like, really steamy, sexy look into the phone, and, and I, I post it on the site, like, like once every two or three weeks. <laughs> it's, it's, like, my favorite photo that's ever been taken. Oh, and he's wearing, like, really tight white jeans. <laughs> and there's just no way, if I were his teammate, I wouldn't be putting that in his locker like once a week. Right, exactly. Maybe he was on the C word. You never know. He could have been on any boat. 
We don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, that's one of our captains. That's, it. that's yeah. right. That, that inspires leadership. Uh, Cal, <clears throat> we would be remiss if we didn't ask about sandwiches. Before I get into sandwiches, I got I to gotta ask Ted, I, and I saw on your site, you went to that Taco Bell out in Pacifica, California. <laughs> the, the nicest Taco Bell in the world, yeah. Is that, is that as beautiful as it looks? Because I went to Taco Bell for lunch today. No joke. There was a dumpster next to the drive-thru when I pulled through. Literally I, yeah. a dumpster. This Taco Bell is spectacular. I mean, like, not the only is beautiful. It, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I don't know if you guys have seen the Pacific Coast Highway in California. It is, like, one of the nicest drives you'll yep. ever see. I mean, it is, I, I've been, uh, I've been all around the country uh, driving mostly in pursuit of baseball games. And you know, outside of uh, you know, Yellowstone Park, a couple of spots in Montana, you, there's really nothing that comes close to the, the Pacific Coast Highway in terms of, like, natural beauty. And then really, like, nestled right among all that beautiful stuff is this really nice-looking Taco Bell with, like, these, <laughs> like, natural wood shingles. And, and it's right on the beach, and it has a walk-up window, so you don't have to get sand in the Taco Bell and, wow. and and you can just like sit out on the beach and eat your Taco Bell and it, the service is good uh, it, it's it's spectacular I mean you know there, there are big, <laughs> big cliffs and, and the roar of the ocean like I, I can't even just, I can't even begin to describe the the scene at that Taco Bell it's worth uh, it I had to I had to ask you about it because it just it didn't look real it looked like it looked like a fantasy. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's um, and then you know to to, uh, to top it off, they were only the second best tacos I had that day. Uh, what? We went to and Jack in the no, Box. No, dis, no disrespect to Taco Bell. Uh, c- continuing down the drive, we went to a, a taco place in a gas station in a tiny town of. Pescadero, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, that were the best tacos I've ever had in my life. You that sounded like a, you, you sounded like uh, Kiner saying that town right there. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> he, or, or maybe even Murph. Like he's from uh, Pescadero, California. Tall, sandy, lanky left-hander. <laughs> I mean, Pescadero is tiny. It's it's yes. a it's a intersection, and it's got like a, a gas station, an antique shop. Some store we couldn't tell because it had one of those uh, one of those big roach tents over it, <laughs> and 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 the uh, uh, post office, and right. but the gas station had a, a taqueria in it, and the taqueria is awesome. Wow, <laughs> we're talking small. They just have the entire town carpeted. We're talking yeah. small. Exactly. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get your industry standard uh, uh, Taco Bell order. What do, you, what do you go with? Are you an old school guy? Do you go back to the Bel Grande? Uh, um, where, where do you go? I, I, I mean, my, my go-to. You know, usually I'm eating Taco Bell in the car, uh, so I, I tend to avoid the crunchy things. So mm-hmm. I like to get like a cheesy gordita crunch because it, it has the, the crunchiness, but it's reasonably portable. Like it's gonna stay together. Um, and yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, 
got a new car pretty recently. I'm trying not to get too much Taco Bell all over it like I did the last sure. one. Sure. Um, I have cinnamon so, twist dust on my seat from today, by yeah. the way. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll get, I'll usually get that. And like, I, I, try, I try not to eat like a ton of stuff at Taco Bell because I'm really, really eager to not die. So, right. <laughs> um, so I'll get like a cheesy gordita crunch and like one soft taco usually. It's usually like Taco Bell is like a lunch snack for me. It's rare that I at this point like sit down for a big meal of Taco Bell. Yeah, you can't right. You can't really bulk out on it anymore. I grew up I grew up where I grew up on Long Island there was a Taco Bell across the street from my house cuz I grew up right Where did you grow up in Long Island? I probably know that Taco Bell. We we grew up in uh Comac. Okay, and, that's, uh, that, that's pretty far out there for me. I, yeah. I, there's a chance I've been to that Taco Bell, but I can't guarantee it. Whereas right. like, every Taco Bell west of Farmingdale, I've definitely been to. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, this, our, our Taco Bell was on Jericho Turnpike right across the street from the bowling alley. and I Next, happened, next to a Roy Rogers. Next to a Roy Rogers, no less. And, uh, wow, a freestanding Roy Rogers. Yeah. Yep. Those are like unicorns. <laughs> Yes, there, there was no question I had a slight weight problem uh, <laughs> growing up across the street from a Roy Rogers, a Taco Bell, around the corner from a pizzeria and a Chinese food place, and nice. down the, down the block from a White Castle. Don't forget IHOP, and, that's, and I had IHOP on the other corner. That's correct. I was covered for all meals of fatness, but uh, you, you can't bulk out on. I mean, we used to go there when I was twelve, thirteen years old, and walk across the street. And you'd go there with, like, six bucks and get, like, 37 tacos. And... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, like, a the Taco Bell registers don't actually go past $20. So, like, if you go there with, like, five guys, you can just eat as much as you want. And, and it will never go past $4 a guy. <laughs> uh, one more thing on the sandwiches. I, uh, Ted, I'm taking a shot in the dark here. I don't know if you're a uh, – I don't know what other kind of stuff – you know, we're getting to know each other here. I don't know what other kind of stuff you watch. I, uh, as I have said on this show, I am a big fan of uh, contest reality television. I don't like reality television, but uh, your uh, Top Chef, your Project Runway uh, that I watch with my wife, and uh, the next Food Network star. Don't know if you have ever watched that show. I have seen like moments of it, but never a full episode. Okay. I, I watch these. I know that it exists. Like they're the Mets. <laughs> Into this, <laughs> you know, because I said I watch these season seasons now, like I'm watching a Met game, like I'm into this stuff now because yeah, I, yeah. With the wife and there's a vested interest. And the guy who won next Food Network star. Spoiler alert, by the way, Cal. Spoiler alert. Let me turn my headphones on. Uh, right, because it was Sunday night. Turn headphones off. Uh, the guy who won his show is going to be called The Sandwich King. No way! That's my show. I want to have that show. Oh, Ted, this guy, this guy is magnificent. He's from Chicago. Um, his name is Jeff Morrow, and he was once like a stand-up comedian, but not an annoying one. Okay. <laughs> not annoying about it at all. He had a great concept for this show about sandwiches, like making any meal a sandwich, any sandwich a meal, and he won. And his show debuts next uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday. You gotta watch it. Some of the same. Every time, made, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm going to watch it because I'm too jealous. Right. <laughs> the, guy's, the guy's doing your show. You could host season two, Ted. 
I could have a show, right? I could have a show about sandwiches. I make good sandwiches. Well, that's you good. You should add it to the shows that on SNY.TV. Yeah, it's not about sports. We got, we, we got limited studio time, you know? <laughs> make it a tailgating right, guys, show. Guys, you know, like let's just blow off talking about the Jets today, and I'm going to make some sandwiches. <laughs> Who wouldn't watch that? Good luck with that pitch. That should go well. Right. Uh, now you have some, you have some great sandwiches listed on your site. Uh, our uh, producer, who is a little under the weather and couldn't uh, produce tonight, but he did manage to send in his favorite sandwich. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you his. His favorite sandwich is fried eggplant with roasted pepper and fresh mozzarella, uh, fresh basil leaves, and oil and vinegar on a 12 inch sub. Wow, that sounds pretty good. Is he a vegetarian, or does it, does it just happen to like a a all vegetable sub? Yeah, he's no, he's a meatitarian. I don't. Uh, he's, he no, he eats meat. He just he went eggplant. I don't, I'm not sure why. Maybe because he Egg, would, eggplant is like a meaty vegetable. It's a it's a it's a vegetable that you can like you know people eat eggplant parmesan as like a meal. You know, it's like a vegetable that counts as a meal. Exactly. Now now, Cal, gun to your head. Do you want to do you want to do favorite sandwich overall or favorite sandwich at City Field? What do you want to do? I'm going to give you my favorite sandwich at City Field, but PJ sandwich, I would replace the fried eggplant with a fried chicken cutlet. Yeah. Okay, yeah. of course. That's an industry standard. But what do you got what do you got at City Field? City Field and it's been my favorite ever since they were at Shea also. It's the Italian sub at Mama's of Corona. Now we're talking. Yeah. Right. That doesn't make you a bad person. No. I it's I, great. I, gotta, I gotta jump uh, Ted, I gotta jump on Baxter's. Uh, Mike Baxter's the other day from your on the baseball show when you had five questions. Yeah, the what, what's the initials? I, I I can't remember what what he called it, but I have been getting that sandwich for twenty years. It, yeah. It's uh, something with chicken cutlet with bacon and gravy and cheddar or something. Yep, it was chicken cutlet, cheddar, bread, you know, uh, breaded chicken cutlet, cheddar cheese with brown gravy, and he adds bacon. So do I, Mike Baxter. So yeah. do I. You know, I was impressed that he named, like, a specific sandwich from a specific place. It was like, you're going to make it here, kid. I I, I like your attitude. (laughs) Which is funny enough around the corner from where I live now, because I live in Bayside. Oh, yeah. He, he, I guess he's from Whitestone, so he he sounded like he had grown up going to the place all the time. And kind of, I liked it. It was like like me saying, you know, the full bird from Busco's, which was my local deli growing up. Oh yeah, all right, very good. Yeah, I like that. Isn't that Mike Baxter kid a nice story? You have to, you yeah. have to love that kind of stuff, Ted. Honestly, like you're, you're covering the team, and and you get to look at some fun angles. You get to look at fun angles on the baseball show or or on your blog and stuff. Like when you get stories like that, it's got to be great. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all it's all great. I mean, it's uh, it's. It's watching baseball for free. I mean, it's getting paid to watch baseball. So <laughs> right. it's, it's all gravy, right? That's awesome. Well, uh, Ted, uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up and say uh, hopefully we can have you back to talk about the Jets. And before we let you go, uh, I want to let you tell everybody what you do. And as I've said it, but I probably have it wrong. So uh, <laughs> No, I think you got it. I, like you said, I mean, I, uh, I write the blog at, at tedquarters.net. This is actually a bad time to promote it since I'm going to Binghamton tomorrow and and it's going to be quiet for the next couple of days. Ta- a couple of days. Um, 
But you should check it out anyway. You can click through the archives and read all the good old stuff. And I I host the baseball show, which will also not happen for the next two days while I'm in Dayton. Good timing. Um, I I co-host the the mostly Mets podcast with uh with Toby Hyde, who writes MetsMinorLeagueBlog.com, and Patrick Flood, who writes PatrickFloodBlog.com. Uh, all of which, all of that stuff can be found through uh through SNY.TV. Awesome. And before we let you go, Ted, I, I like an idiot, I forgot to ask you what's your I mean, I know your sandwiches are all listed. But do you have a uh, head? The best the best I've had. I keep thinking about it and I you know, I hope it wasn't I I've gotta get back to Chicago. I hope it wasn't a one time thing, like just maybe one particularly good instance of the sandwich, but uh the breaded, breaded steak sandwich from a place, uh Rico Benny's in Chicago. It was uh like mm. a um you know, basically it was like steak parmesan. It's the best way to explain it. Um, yeah. Like think think like a veal parmesan sub. Only um, in addition to the veal parmesan, it had uh, jardinera, which is like a oh. spice, a spicy Italian vegetable relish, like a pickled vegetable relish. Um, yep. That gave it like a little bit of like a crunch and like a vinegary flavor as well. Uh, the sandwich blew my mind. It was. It was. Uh, I, I I've told this story like a bunch of times before, but I uh, I ate the sandwich and I couldn't leave. Like I was in Chicago and I was alone in this place in the middle of nowhere, and like I I was just standing outside of the place in the rain, like looking around for like witnesses. Like, did anyone eat it? has anyone been to this place? Like, did you, did you eat that sandwich? They were like cops outside, and I was worried I was gonna get arrested. Like I, I didn't, it wasn't doing anything wrong. You know, I was just like, this has got to be illegal. I don't know. It was, it was a, it was like a life changing sandwich experience. That that sounds like a John Hughes movie. A little yeah, bit. It, well, yeah. Every, everything in Chicago feels like a John Hughes movie. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Ted, Ted, thanks so much for joining us, pal, and uh, we'll catch you down the line with uh, some jet stuff if you uh, come back. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Have a good time up in Binghamton. Go B-Mets. Yeah, will do. Take care. All right. Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye. All right. So, uh, Ted Berg, uh, they're, uh, good stuff, Cal. He's, he's a, he's a really good guy. Talented writer. Does a great job on that website on, uh, tedquarters.net on sny.tv. And, uh, what Ted, uh, did not mention, you know, he's going to be away for a couple of days. Maybe it's not the best time to promote the site, but he's got a, no, no, he's got a ton of content on there. Though. Yeah. He doesn't I mean, just write about the, the the Mets or the Jets. He writes about uh, you know TV, pop culture stuff. There's all kinds of things on there. Ted is uh, is a really talented guy, and and uh, hopefully we'll have him back. So uh, check out TedQuarters.net. Cal, we got a couple minutes left. All right, let's just let's just. Do you want to go fun load, or do you want to go uh, Jets Giants NFL? <laughs> See, you you teased the fun load earlier. Yeah, and now you've got my interest peaked. I don't know if I can wait for it. All right, okay. Well, we'll do Jets and Giants. We'll have plenty of time to do Jets and Giants next week. I mean, right? We've got an entire football season ahead of us. Right. Let's just say this, and and we want to go around the NFL too because uh, right. a lot of interesting things. But we'll wait another week to do next that. Week, next week will be good. Go on. I was going to say, it's time for. No, you can talk over the fun mode. Next week will be good. Go ahead. I know. I'm listening. 
I'm listening. <laughs> I, Harvey Corman this week. Is that who you heard this week? That's who, that's who I heard. I heard Harvey, I heard Meredith Baxter Bernie. Very deep voice. Interesting. <laughs> Very manly. <laughs> Every week we try to figure out who we are hearing in the fun load song by the Bishop PJ Pop Culture. It always changes too. That's the best part. It changes because he redoes it every week. He does. Depending on what's so, he, he, that song, Cal is now like the Love Boat. <laughs> there are different celebrities every week that he brings in and re-records the fun load song into the studio. He's got the studio. He's got access to these celebrities. Why not? Dumpling Sound Studios. That's a studio. Right. Uh, this is. Oh no, he's he's correcting us. This week it was Levar Burton singing bass. We were looking for Levar Burton. That's right. Uh, Roots Kunta Kinte uh, is the boy from Africa. Um, <laughs> and you know what's sad? I only know him from reading Rainbow. Do you know? <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I'll figure that out soon enough. Yeah. You know what's you know what's great, Cal? Coming to America, we we referenced it earlier with uh, Randy Watson mm-hmm. and Sexual Chocolate. That movie comes on. I'm in. Do you you want to? You really want to? I hope you're sitting. Are you sitting? You're sitting. Twenty five years, right? For that movie. Yeah. Twenty five years old. Twenty four. 24, it'll be 20, it was 87, right? 87. Oh my gosh. That's incredulous. That's that's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, so anyway, uh, welcome to the fun load brought to you by uh, the letter Q and LeVar Burton. Um, <laughs> um, here's here's the fun load, Cal. I've been meaning to bring this up for a couple of weeks. It's it's less a, less a fun load, more a I want to hear what you think of this. Load. Load. Right. <laughs> that doesn't work. Uh, no. so, so, okay, so here it is. A couple weeks ago, Dr. E. Ray Stat and I are going back and forth in one of the private chats. Right. The one yeah. that I'm not allowed in. That's correct. And uh, we were talking about – it was his classic Dr. E. Ray Stats listening to XM Radio and the Grunge Station. Right. And like a great song will come on and he'll text me and be like – uh, day I tried to live on, tremendous. And then we'll, that will spur in a conversation. Or right. like uh, Red Mosquito just came. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Underrated song. Discuss. And that's how it starts. Correct. Right. Sometimes it's in our big uh, BlackBerry uh, chat. Sometimes it's just for me because we'll be talking about our fantasy team that we, that we co-run. The C-Word, by the way. The name of that team is The C-Word. I love it. Uh you did not get Lucas Duda in time for this week. I saw that. Yes. Yes. Good job, Dr. Ray. Um, <laughs> so he says Soundgarden is playing. This is obviously a couple weeks ago. Sound, Soundgarden is playing. Are you going? And I wrote back. I was like, you have like a two-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I have a seven-month-old. I couldn't go see Soundgarden right now if they played in my living room. <laughs> no. Hey, hey, quick. 
quick, quick. Soundgarden is playing in your living room. They can play one song. What is it? Oh, didn't I do this? Did I do... Uh... You didn't do Soundgarden. I thought I did. No, I don't think so. I thought I did. I I thought I did Outshined. Oh, you did. I'm sorry. Damn it. You know what, though? I want to change it. I want to change it. Change it. You have This is your second chance. I want to do... Uh... <laughs> I want to do... Uh... Uh, I, uh, Black Hole Sun. I want to change it. I know that's that's really poppy, but I want to do Black Hole Sun. That's okay. It's your living room. Yep. Um, but it, so any that's, that's right. It is my living room. So anyway, so now he wants to go see Soundgarden. He says, "Well, now he's joking because he realizes how preposterous it is for me to be going to see Soundgarden right now." Right, but he but he he but he wasn't joking when he brought it up. No. Right, and so now he says, "Well, I'm going. I'm growing out a goatee. I'm putting on a flannel, and I'm, I'm, you know, gonna go and wear shorts and a flannel, and I'm gonna uh, smoke cigarettes, and uh, and I'm gonna, you know, talk to any girl who smiles at me, you know." And 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 we started cracking up, and, and this spurned the idea of spurred. This spurned. Uh, spurned. It's spurned. Isn't spurned when you deny someone? Um, yeah, it spurred the idea. You're right. This uh, led us to the idea uh, of, yeah, of uh, a throwback weekend. Hmm. Okay. Go on. So you want to put your boys together for a throwback weekend. Where the entire weekend, except for the fact that, you know, whatever guy's married or whatever, uh, you know, obviously you can't act on that. But you do all the things you would have done in 1993. And, you, and, and, and we've, we've, we decided it should be centered around a band. Okay. Because you can't really throw back to sports. In other words, I, I can't go watch the 86 Mets play again. But, no. I can't, but I can go see Pearl Jam and pretend it's 1992. But you could go, you could go see Pearl Jam wearing a 1986 Mets jersey. Correct. Or a Mookie Blaylock jersey, which would be more or, appropriate. That's true. No, no, but what do you think of this idea? And you have to go – you go all the way with it. Like you, you – Oh, wait a What's all the way? All the way outside of any sort of infidelity. That's it. Okay. All right, so you don't get to pretend you're single for the weekend. But, you know, if if you smoke cigarettes, you smoke cigarettes for the weekend, you drink beers, you hang out, you stay up late, you play quarters, whatever. Whatever. Okay. Throwback weekend. Send it around seeing a band. Okay. But you got to wear the clothes, you got to do the facial hair, everything. You got to do it. How how do you how do you get yourself in a position to be allowed to do that? That's my first question. Because immediate, it sounds great, but uh, but there's immediately a roadblock that we got to get past. Because A, how do I sell this as something that's not completely ridiculous that she's going to laugh at me? And B, that she's not going to look at me and say, are you serious? A and B. Has there ever been a better use of the A and E button 
than one we just came up with. Well, but listen, these are pertinent questions that need to be answered before we can even move forward. Okay. You're going to sell it as, uh, oh, man. Now, listen, I, I will accept the inevitable rolling of the eyes. Like, you guys are ridiculous. How old are you? It's 2011. <laughs> and then once we get that out of the way, and I say, well, can, well, can I go? And she says, okay, now, now I'm in. All right, I'm in. I got past it. Okay. So we take, we're taking our trip to Fantasyland. Where, okay, where are we going? Where, where are we traveling? Yes. Got to be a destination. Got to be. We can't act like this in New York. Someone might see us. That's correct. And so we're going to travel. I, I, I think you throw sports into it as well, if you can. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> you do it over a weekend, and you you go to see Pearl Jam on Saturday night, and you go to uh, the you know the, the Cubs game on, on Friday night, but dressed up like it's 1992. Of course. What if – how about this? just because it's on my mind, what if you tie it into your fantasy sport draft weekend? Oh, see, this is this is why. Right? This is why. Now, have we talked about that on the program? What? The, the idea of I, – I know the sports guy has talked about it for a long time, but actually, Dr. E. Ray and our good friend Rich had this idea before the sports guy did. Yes, and that was the idea of a draft weekend, right? Which is, and I'm and I'm taking that and tying it into your suggestion of throwback weekend. I love it. I love put it, it all together. I want to be in the fantasy draft destination throwback weekend business with you, my friend. Right, because you know it's already ridiculous. Why not just go all the way? Well, and and let's tell people what that is, Cal. Tell people what you're talking about with the fantasy. Well, what I'm talking about is is actually going somewhere to to conduct your fantasy draft for Def- whatever sport. Yeah, you, there's just, you're, there's a place that you're going to to do the draft. Destination draft. Right. Destination draft, like destination wedding. Right. Destination confirmation. Right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Go back. De- destination. Who's having destination confirmations? I feel I feel like they might have them. So you're, you're saying somebody's going to another Catholic church to get confirmed? <laughs> well, no, you no, you 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 get confirmed at the church that you at the parish of which you belong, but then you take the party to a destination, to Bermuda, say. Let's say Bermuda. I like that. Is that not a touch extravagant? Steve, you'd be surprised. I uh, you nothing surprises me. Mike. Maybe you wouldn't be. Yeah. So okay, so we have a destination draft, and the idea is you go to Vegas for a weekend. You rent out a boardroom. You have all the <clears throat> audio visual stuff that you need, and you do your draft mm-hmm. in the day uh, on the Saturday. So you you make a weekend out of it. Which, by the way, they they really did have this idea right before Simmons said it and wrote about it, and they were looking to start a business. I know, like where you could trip plan this. You know, yep. and being like a destination draft, uh, and now they have them. Now they actually have them. Right. But the business would be you would set up everything for them. You would set up the boardroom, the projectors. You could have all the audio, video stuff. So 
you're saying. I'm, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying let's go to Seattle. Oh, my gosh. Let's fly out to Seattle to conduct our fantasy football draft while wearing flannel and growing goatees. That's right. Right? Um, one night would be the draft. The next night is the Pearl Jam concert. Smoking cloves. Smoking cloves. Right. In the rain. With attitude. You obviously watch um, the movie Singles in the afternoon before you go to the concert. Bingo, bango. No, right. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. Right. Or maybe on the plane, even. I think you do have a thing, and I think not having a thing is your thing. So that's if, – if this is the idea that you had – Right, and then I, we get our Citizen Dick T-shirts, right, and our Fishbone T-shirts, and we get our our Lloyd Dobler. Uh, that's actually 1989. Can't do that. We're not going back that far. Right. The pop culture uh, PJ, the pop culture pop culture PJ checks in on uh, the IM. He is listening, Cal. While he yes, he is under under the weather, yet still listening. Not only under the weather, but again, he's probably in his dressing room at Bally's right now. In between shows, the eleven the eleven thirty show is gonna knock your socks off. Knock your socks off. Man. He says he'll go back to nineteen eighty seven, go see Neutral Milk Hotel play at a small bar, buy a twenty dollar cigar, then take in a radiohead show. I would ask him if he is listening, and I know he is, uh, what is he wearing? And I don't mean that in a sort of sexually deviant way. I mean that in a uh, how are you going to reflect 1997 in your wardrobe since you still dress like it's 1997? <laughs> you mean that in the most literal sense possible? Yes. Are you going yeah. to wear a special pair of shorts and t-shirt? <laughs> is there is there is, is there a special Snoopy t-shirt you're going to wear for this? I love I love we tease pop culture PJ because we love them. That's that's why I Cal I love this idea. I, I think it's got. I think it's got legs. We put those hands together. I, right. I love this. Now let me final final question here. He dressed, <laughs> and PJ has the perfect answer for us. He said he'll dress like Kramer, a hipster doofus. That's yep. That's perfect, and then fits the time. Cal, let me let me button up this fun load with this. Okay, what is what is the band? Is it Pearl Jam? Is there another? I, it, I, I, if we're going if we're going back to 1993, it's got to be Pearl Jam, doesn't it? Well, we can't see Nirvana. Why? We can go back to 93. We we can. If we're going well, if we're literally going back to the year 1993, <laughs> right? But we can't see Nirvana now. No, we can't. Is what is what I'm saying? Ah, uh, yes, I know what you mean. Um. I think it is I think it would have to be Pearl Jam, although I would settle for Stone Temple Pilots. Okay. I would go if, Soundgarden. If, well Soundgarden's not available. Why? They're 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 actually playing. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Alice Alice in Chains is not available. No. Well they're not available either. That's you know I and and I have to apologize. I keep thinking we're going back to the actual year. <laughs> And that's where I'm getting confused. I'm sorry. The Soundgarden was around in 93, though. Yes, they were. It's, two, it's 2011 that we're doing this. That's correct. So it's the 2011 version of the band that we're going to see. That's right. I don't have an actual time machine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, then that I, would be the greatest trip ever. I, I'm saying. <laughs> and and uh, oh, sugar. I had one last thing on this. Darn it. Oh, darn it. I, I, I had one last question for you about this idea of a uh, of the throwback weekend. Uh, <laughs> darn it. Ah, I can't think of it. But it was it was it was in regards to uh the band that you go to see. Shoot. Shoot. Oh, that's that's what it was. Do you have to go back to the technology period of that? <laughs> so in other words, you can only listen to uh their music on a disc man. That's correct. No CD, uh no cell phones. You could have a pa- you could have a pager. Sure. You have a pager, but no cell phones, no social media. There's no internet. Nothing. Right. Then right. No internet. That well, there's limited internet. 1993. I had email in 1993. 93. Yes, I had I had my email address in 1993. I had a I had a guy across the hall from me in college who had Prodigy, and I had an AOL. Email address in '93 or '94. I did. That's how long I've had that email address. That's why I still have it. That might be the beginning of it. That's true. Uh, no, it definitely. My dad was on Prodigy in '19 when I was a freshman in college. So that's right. the fall of '92. Okay. Prodigy, CompuServe was big back then, if you will. And Pop Culture PJ brings up a great point, Cal. Again, I feel like he's here, don't you? He is here. I know. Except uh, that he's there. Right. He he brings up something I'm even reticent to say on the air. It will ruin the whole thing mm. for wives oh. everywhere. <laughs> oh, boy. He's really, he's taking it way too far. He says, if it's a throwback weekend, can I meet up with an old girlfriend? <laughs> meet my high school girlfriend at a Staten Island bar. <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody. Thanks. Uh, Stephen Heater, you're next. <laughs> I've loved you all. Thanks. Don Rickles is coming up. Stay. Go go try the clam bar. Go try the bartender. Go try the raw bar. It's fantastic. Uh, I like this idea of a throwback weekend. I like it. I like it, too. Um, no chance of that. We could ever pull it off. I don't think so. No chance it happens. I don't think so. Alright. He apologizes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's gonna do it for this episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. I'd like to thank uh our guest Ted Burr from SNY.tv, TedPorters.net, the baseball show, and mostly Mets podcast. Go check out all of these things. He's doing all these things, and uh, he's doing them well. Uh, Cal has uh, sprayed water all over my throwback weekend idea. No, you didn't. You came with me. No, I was I was right there with you. You came with me. I, I appreciate that. I, uh, I I think we can make this. I think there's no chance that this happens. Uh, no. I'd like to also thank uh, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ for checking in, just to make sure he's okay. Hopefully we'll have him back soon, but we uh, we do appreciate his contributions. Go check out... Our website, www.rtusports.com. Daniel Alderondo 
is uh, writing some great material for us and doing it on a weekly basis. We have to give him a title. We do. We we desperately need a name for this, for his segment, for his for like his blog, blogger in chief or something. Did <laughs> you just come up with that now? Yeah, I just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because uh, I would have thought you put a lot of thought into that. Pop my head, blogger in chief. <laughs> You've been taking those improv classes again? I have. It's paying off. Somebody's back at UCB. <laughs> Alright, uh, Cal, final unload. Hey, my final unload, Steve. There are ten shopping days until Draftmas. Ah, Make your plans. Yes. Very Draftmas. Uh, I love it so much. And my final unload, uh, you know, we, uh, we didn't talk about uh, football tonight. We will get to it. But uh, I watched uh, the Jets preseason game yesterday, and as the Mets season is pretty much over... Uh, good to have football back, Brian. So very good to have football back. Uh, just watching the Jets last night. And, of course, getting the looks of derision from my wife, who says, I can't believe it's freaking football season already. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. It is. It's All right. We will talk to you next week. Uh, check out the podcast of the show. Subscribe on iTunes. And uh, keep your powder dry, folks. Later. <laughs>